The Spiritual Brew Pub Podcast will help you navigate spiritually after or during a belief shift, deconstruction, or crisis of faith. Not to try to convert you to a particular destination, but give you the resources you need to evaluate your future belief or unbelief and help you follow the religious historical evidence wherever it leads. I'm your host, Michael Camp, a recovering conservative evangelical, the operative word being recovering, sharing my journey and helping others rebuild faith or a reasoned philosophy of life. So grab your brew of choice and learn how fact-based history helps us both critique and rethink faith. Why do we call it a brew pub? Because we like to hang out in them, at least metaphorically. A pub is a great place to let your hair down, share your true thoughts about your journey, and discuss things with an open mind in a non-judgmental environment. Welcome everyone to the Spiritual Brew Pub. I'm your host, Michael Camp, and we have another fascinating guest with us tonight, today, uh, December Rose. December is an author, a poet, a spoken word artist, and a former pastor of two large churches in South Carolina. And um, she's written a book called The Church Can Go to Hell, Overcoming the Brokenness, Bitterness, and Bondage of Church Hurt. So we're going to talk today about exposing the dark underbelly of the church and December is equipped to also help us to uh, guide us to healing uh, the spiritual wounds uh, of, of church hurt. So December, welcome to the podcast. What's up, Michael Kemp? Thank you for having me. I'm excited <laughs> to be on the Spiritual Brew Pub. I'm so glad that uh, I met you at Awaken 2023. Hopefully yes. it'll be a lifelong friendship. I'm yeah, I know. Here. It was great. We what, we met in Nashville, Tennessee uh, last month at a, a conference that our publisher put on, Choir Publishing. It was great. Had some really incredible speakers besides December. And um, uh, we had a great time. Um, excellent time of a lot of different people coming together who have all had one thing in common, uh, deconstructing evangelical Christianity, conservative Christianity, or some form of fundamentalism. And we didn't all land in the same place, but we all had a lot of uh, unity and love for one another. So uh, it was really a great experience. Um, yeah. So anyways, let's get into your, uh, your story. We're going to talk a little bit about your book. Uh, later on, we'll learn about some of the things and plans that you have in the future in your next book or two books, I believe. Um, but for people who don't, um, uh, you know, know your background and so forth, what's your story? How did you come to a place where here you are critiquing the church's faults and pointing out to a way uh, that they can heal from wounds that the church has caused? I mean, where did you get to this place? Well, um when you read the book, you'll, you'll see where I'm starting. I'm starting young where I'm coming up in where I was raised, I was witness. And then I, from there, I went to a Baptist church, a small Baptist church in Moses Lake, Washington, where I'm from and had a, it was a critical and pivotal moment in my life with the church 
uh, we're in, um, you know, I'm not going to give away all the book. Y'all going to have to go buy the book. The church will go to hell on Amazon. You don't have to, don't give away your <laughs> secret sauce now. Just Let's give away the secret sauce. <laughs> Where I went, I went through some stuff that was very hard to recover from, you know, still healing from some of those things. And, um, from there I went, you know, I've, I've experienced all different kinds of denominations and, uh, then, you know, then I became a pastor. I started a church, um, in my, I, I, it's so funny for me to say in my, my mid to late twenties, I feel like I'm old when I say that, like, <laughs> I feel like this wasn't that long ago, but apparently it was, um, I started a church. He said two large churches. Actually it was one medium church and one small church. He, he okay. I got that wrong. Church. Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, both wonderful ministries, wonderful people. Um, it was the first one was, um, restoration, the restoration center. And the second one, uh, was, um, the Rock Worship Center, formerly Cornerstone Cathedral. And I only recently uh, stopped pastoring Cornerstone Cathedral. And that was in, I, I um, will call it retired <laughs> from pastoring in 2020 when I released this book. I got ready to put this book out. And I was like, I, I don't want to bring reproach on the church. I'm getting ready to put this book out. It's very raw, very deep, very, you know, right, snatching right. the bandaid off. And I don't want to bring reproach on the church. Loving people, I love the church, but it was my season was up, and I yep. prayed about it. And I asked, you know, the Lord to show me who was supposed to come, and they came. And I, you know, laid hands on them, pray for them, and turn the church over to them. I, I need to write a whole book about that because they didn't know they were going to be handed the church the day the first Sunday they showed up at the church. I I handed them the church <laughs> along with wow. the property. <laughs> First Sunday yeah. they showed up. Okay. The first Sunday. Yeah. I said those were the ones. Uh, so uh, those were the ones. <laughs> so shout out to brother and sister Massey down there at Cornerstone Lighthouse in uh, West Union, South Carolina. Yeah. So um, I need to write a book on that by itself. But, you know, it's a long journey uh, getting here, um, starting in the pew, uh, coming through the pulpit, back to the pew, and then out the back door. <laughs> <laughs> and right. so I got, you know, I got a lot to say, a lot of that, that's in my journey that I could share about trauma, church trauma, uh, church drama, and healing from both of those things. Right. Yeah. It sounds like you've had some experiences where it's been a lot of uh, drama, um, spiritual abuse. Um, you know, maybe you've seen sexual abuse. I'm not sure. But you've got, you know, stories about churches that are just uh, the way that they're structured, they seem to attract people that uh, abuse the system. <laughs> and, yeah, and the people. Yeah, right. <laughs> and so, I mean, that's part of the problem we have. And that's why one of the reasons why we deconstruct it from evangelical conservative churches is that that we have, you know, we recognize that there's sometimes an authoritative structure or. Uh, there's such an emphasis on the church being uh, an authority over its members and pastors having authority and apostles or whatever they call themselves. That's and those th those systems can attract people who can um, who actually are narcissists and like to be in control mm. and can, and, yeah. and they take advantage of that uh, or it's just conducive to people um, you know abusing ab abusing people and focusing more on that than loving people. So it's kind of a, an interesting phenomenon. And I, I was also struck by the fact that, and uh, that you grew up in a, um, 
uh, a Jehovah's Witness Kingdom Hall church. And I was yeah. wondering what that was like. And you kind of you said that you guys were the token blacks in the church. And yeah, and so <laughs> <laughs> I grew up in the Kingdom Hall, which was an interesting experience. Uh, I could say this. There was some fun. There was some a couple handful of times where I where I enjoyed it. You know, we're hanging having fellowships with some of the youth there. But for the most part, I it wasn't that great. You know, I it was a place where I, I will say this, the foundation of what I know about scripture and how I know how to research and study the Bible um, came from there because they do a lot of teaching. It's a lot of teaching. And so my ability to research and to study um, came from there and my mother. Um, but as growing up though in the church, yeah, no, I felt like we were like the token black folks. There was only like a handful, I think one or two, there was about two, maybe three at one time, um, black families. And for as long as we were there, which was from the time I was born, because my mother was pregnant with me when she started studying up until the time I was about 14. For as long as I was there, most didn't know our, my mom's kids, our, our names, you know, by on site, or they would mix us up with other oh, right. black kids in the church. Uh, which weren't that many. There weren't that many. Right. They didn't, they didn't take the time to really get to know you. Right. No, so, no, right. they didn't take the no. time to get to know you. And I, I think, I think I was like 14 uh, by the time I left. So that's 14 years uh, coming up in a church and you, and you get, you're a teenager from a baby to a teenager and they still don't know you from your sister or you from the other black lady's daughter you know, that was in the church. So, um, I, it, and that experience was more, more, you know, I felt like we we're like the token black folks there. It, but you know, it is what it is. I don't have anything against the religion itself, except for the same thing I have, the ought I have against all religions. Anytime that you, um, put God in a box and say, well, who he is and who he's not and what he can do and what he won't do and who he will quote save and who he won't save and this and that. Um, I think you're running into an issue and run into a problem um, with trying to shrink the the capacity and the greatness and just the bigness of God down to your little capsule of ideology and theology. And that, that's the issue I have with all religions. So it sounds like, I mean, if you compare Jehovah's Witnesses to evangelicals, I mean, I, obviously they believe different things here and there. But would you say that it's the same problem that you're describing? It's the same. Yeah, yeah. it's the same. Right. Uh, it's the same thing to me. I, you know, what I find, though, I say, uh, here's the thing. Um, Nat Turney, who is also one of our fellow choir yes, authors. Yes, I met Nat, yes. <laughs> shout out to Nat Turney. I met him in person at the 2023 Awakening. It was so wonderful to meet everybody. Um, he had posted, I believe it was on his page um, not that long ago, that Christianity is supposed to be about controlling yourself and helping others. If it turns, if it, it starts to become that you're controlling others and helping yourself, that's not Christianity. Right. Yeah. That's also not any faith whose foundation is love and God. Right. And I find that there's not much for all the different denominations, you know, 600 or whatever. So Christian denominations for all the different denominations that are out there, there's not that much daylight between them when you break it down to the, yeah. to the studs, right? You know, That's when what... you take away all the accoutrements and the way that they worship and the music. And you, when you strip it all the way down, 
there's not that much different. There's not that much daylight between any of them. Yeah, I found that to be true too. I mean, but I also think it's fascinating that when I was an evangelical, we we always um, were very you know adamant that we had the truth, and mm -hmm. Jehovah's Witnesses were as a cult, and the Mormons was yeah. a cult, and uh, you know the Moonies were a cult, and all these things. And there was probably some good reasons for calling it a cult, but we didn't see that. Wait a minute. Maybe we have some <laughs> cultish things going on yeah. here. <laughs> right, right. And here's the thing. The, the same with the, the Jehovah's Witnesses is usually the same in most churches. All of them think they have the truth. Right? Yeah, they all think it's they good. have it. Exactly right, yeah. Everyone has the truth. And the, the thing is, you have a truth. Yeah. All of them have a truth. Every every religion has a truth, right? So you talk the Buddhism, Hinduism, um, Taoism, whatever other ism, okay, or schism or scheme or whatever. <laughs> all of them, <laughs> all all of them have a truth. The thing is, the problem that churches run into, especially what what you want to call fundamentalist type churches, is that the belief that I have the truth, as in it's reign supreme, you know, over right. every other body. And, and I need to, uh, I need to, this is the it's kind of the issue that I have with Jehovah Witnesses um, and a lot of other churches, but specifically with the Jehovah Witnesses because they focus so much on conversion. And by conversion, I mean so much on, we're going to go out and turn people into Jehovah Witnesses, basically. And let me study with you and show you that they actually called, the Jehovah Witnesses actually called the truth. You know what I'm saying? When the Joe yeah. when Joe Witnesses talk about what they believe, they say they call it the truth, right? Um, and my whole thing, the issue I have with that is if you believe in Christ, if your foundation is that you must accept Christ as quote your savior or whatever to be, you know, we like to say saved or at whatever capacity, because I know we're dealing with a lot of people in different phases of deconstruction, but let's say that's the foundation. If that's what you believe, I don't need to be a Jehovah's Witness. To do that, I don't yeah, need to be a Baptist. Right. I don't need to be Pentecostal. I don't need to be Apostolic. I don't need to be Catholic. I don't need to be none of it. Right. If that's be, what you right. believe. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the, the problem I have with most religions is that's not enough. Christ yeah. Himself is not enough for most religions and most mm -hmm. churches. He yeah. is, He by Himself is not enough. And they don't, they won't say that, but they'll show you. Yeah, they, they might, that he's not enough. yeah, they might claim that's true, but they really don't, they don't practice it for sure. Because, yeah, because there's a lot of baggage that you have to carry around, you know? Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, you have to believe a statement of faith. <laughs> you have mm -hmm. to believe in the infallibility of the Bible. You have to believe in mm -hmm. our church uh, doctrines and creeds. And, you that's know, right. this, we figured it out and so forth. So, um, and depending on what church you have to go to, you have to dress a certain kind of way. Yeah, you I was just going to say there's religious codes of conduct. Right. You got to dress yeah. a certain way, look a certain way. Don't say swear words. Don't go to certain movies. Don't. <laughs> all kinds it's a of lot things. of don't. It's a lot yeah. of don't. Right, right. <laughs> and so um, and I think it's fascinating what you said, that if you strip away some of the, the outer superficial things, which sometimes aren't superficial, but there is a core. And so, I, you know, in my experience... I always thought, well, you know, we're evangelical Christians, but we're not like those fundamentalists, you know, 
we can play cards and dance and you know listen to to uh, Christian rock music. You know, we can. <laughs> you know, there's always someone who's more conservative than you, and mm-hmm. so then you put yourself like, oh, we're actually we're actually progressive people because we don't we're not like those people. But then, like you said, when you strip away those things, mm-hmm. uh, what music you watch or whatever, how you know how you how you view certain things then you, you, the core is really the same and it's very authoritative. It's very legalistic. It's, it's um, controlling. controlling people. It's, a lot of it's all those things. And it's got a very, you know, you can't believe cer- outside certain boundaries or you're basically a suspect or a heretic, yeah, heretic or an apostate yeah. or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> it's so, very exclusive. You know, yeah, and I, I passed it to non, what you could call non-denominational churches. But non-denominational churches are are have the same issue. Well, non-denomination doesn't mean yeah, it doesn't really mean anything. It's just no, right? It's just like okay, we don't have a denomination to connect to, so we're just going to be on our own. And then you sound Mm -hmm. like oh, that means we're independent and free and all this stuff. Ah, but they're evangelical or fundamentalist in some other way, and they still Mm -hmm. have the same baggage. (laughs) Yeah, same baggage, same thing. (laughs) That is like we don't report to the Baptist Convention or the Church of God in Christ, folks. We don't have a bishop. That that, that, okay, your pastor is the one that acts and acting like the bishop. So yeah, it it actually (laughs) might be worse because you have no one to oversee you and say, hey, you're not doing this good. (laughs) And in some cases, it is worse. It is right. Because there's so, nobody to come here and snatch that guy by the collar and say, "Hey, you you cutting up?" You know, right, so, right. Yeah. So, um, uh, and one of the questions I had is, how have you seen churches uh, act in such a way that they protect their own reputation and their leadership more than protect uh, victims? Let's say victims of spiritual mm-hmm. or sexual abuse. How does that How does that work? I deal with this in uh, my book because of what I went through. And, you know, there's all kind of let's let's just do with sexual abuse. That's such a prevalent um, issue in the church in universal, um, whatever denomination. I see that the, the church acts at a certain point, depending on, you know, especially the size of the church, but it usually doesn't even matter the size. It could be a storefront church to a mega church. The church functions to me the same as the police department. Uh-huh. And what do, what do I mean by that? Um, they they got they call it qualified immunity, mm-hmm. right? Where almost anything is allowed up to a certain extent, unless it's just completely egregious and it can't be explained away, right? That's they could do it under the cover of the badge for the most part, and um, the the institution will instead of taking that one officer and saying, look. They're doing it more now than they used to do because of the, the 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 climate that we're in now politically and whatnot. But you know, before and also still, uh, instead of taking that one officer and saying, "This is not us. This is not who we are. We're going to throw the book at this guy or this gal or whatever the case is," is protect the institution at all costs. Protect right. the institution, not the people. Somewhere out there, there's a victim on the other end of this person's. Uh, you know, actions, but it's protect the institution because they represent the institution. So we're going to quiet this down. We're going to settle it and we're going to move them to another church. Then they do it again. You know, right. and, and the whole the whole idea is you're supposed to be protecting the people, serving the people. 
and it is protect the institution, serve the pastor. If you go into any church, especially Pentecostal, Baptist, any of those churches, especially the real traditional ones, they treat the pastor like some kind of king. He got to eat. You got to make his plate. He got to eat first. He got to you got to do all this stuff. If somebody carrying his books, they got to sit in a special chair. And you, if you go into like, I don't know about um, I could talk about predominantly black churches. If you, you they, they all these old predominantly black churches and probably a lot of this old predominantly white churches, because we got our set up and stuff from the predominantly white churches um, have this firm, this pulpit furniture that look like throne furniture that look like palace right. furniture, right? With the little chairs and the pastor got the big chair with the big little fancy woodwork at the top. You know what I'm saying? Yes. And and all of this stuff. And, and you take that and also think about the Catholic church where the bishop has all these garments and this big old ridiculous hat. And, <laughs> you know, let me just stop. <laughs> let me stop and say, you know, I respect all faith and you can dress how you want to and all this kind of stuff. But when you strip all that stuff back, it's the institution. <clears throat> Excuse me. And my book, what some might not understand is when I say the church can go to hell, I'm not talking about the local necessary, the local actual body. I'm talking about the institution of religion mm-hmm. that seeks to um, elevate itself, promote itself, protect itself and, 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 and actually sustain itself over the people and at the expense of the people. You know, right. God is not even in the equation. It's all business. It's all business. And the way that you know it's all business, because if somebody is beating his wife or somebody is molesting a child, why wouldn't that person automatically be reported to the police and expelled, not being able to be in front of the people or be around kids? Instead, it's all hush, hush, hush. Sometimes they kick the victim out of the church. Yes, I know. I've, I've heard about. I've heard this, and I've read. I read about <laughs> this, and it it happened in one of the denominations I went to as well. So yeah, it's all hush. Protect them. Whatever. Pray for them. Pray for them. Listen, you cannot pray perversion out of somebody. Yeah. <laughs> Contrary to well, popular belief. Yeah, you, you, you might, can, they, That person has to want to change that thing. Yeah. Or they're just going to be a pervert everywhere they go. Yeah, well, usually it's so easy. I mean, there's so many things going on here. Um, one of the things that you just mentioned is it's so easy for someone to look repentant and, okay, I won't yeah. do it again, right? But mm-hmm. And they the churches see, t- tend to believe in magical prayers. Oh, this, yeah. this took care of it. That's all. And so they don't believe and they don't believe in professional and secular psychology and helping someone through therapy to get over whatever the root is that causes that person to do that they're not no 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 just pray lay hands on them okay they 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 ask for forgiveness and they and they oftentimes force the victims to forgive and i call it Mm. premature forgiveness because some verse in the bible that says you know, forgive before the sun goes down, <laughs> something mm. like that. And There's a lot like, of people that forgiven under duress. Yeah, they forgive under duress and they don't, it's not true forgiveness. And they haven't even had a chance to uh, vent to and to, to deal grieve. with their with their trauma, right? Yeah. 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 So they just, they're just kind of forced. Okay. And then all of a sudden they see that same person walking around the church, the one who traumatized them and abused them. Yeah. That's right. 
And there and and you gotta feel trapped in that situation because what do you do? Especially if your whole community or family or whatever is wrapped up, a lot of people's whole entire identity is wrapped up in their church. Yeah, right, right. Especially pastors and stuff. You take that away, they don't know how to there's a lot of pastors that I've seen and know that don't know how to be people. They literally don't know how to be a person outside of that pulpit. They they don't know how. You mean you mean they're they're just so set on their on their role in the church they're really not personable and really like people and be around people. Yeah, Is that what you or mean? you can't. That's exactly what I mean. They're not approachable. They're they're you know what I'm saying. All every conversation they have is is revolves around the church or faith or yeah, this or that. Right. They don't know how to be a person. Their whole yes, identity right, is right. everything their is position religious, in the church. Right. And nature, everything is I religious. Yeah. Yeah. So I, one of the things I also observed is. Um, and I've seen this in several churches that I've was personally connected to is this notion that you said, you know, like that person should be, you know, be reported to the police and should be kept away from the children and et cetera, and get Mm -hmm. some professional help somewhere, whatever. Right. It's not like you just throw them out completely, but you might say, Hey, you need to do this to get counseling. You get counseling. You need help. Right? You might need to go to jail too. <laughs> and you, you might need it. to go to jail, right? Uh, although you know that's not always the answer to everything. But you know it is. A, we have a system here, and yeah. so what happens is that the church goes, "Oh no, we're going to handle this biblically because the Bible doesn't say call the police. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The Bible says handle it, you know, and that passage in Matthew or whatever, you know, in within the quote." the supposed church. So we they get into yeah. these these uh such a legalistic way of looking at the Bible that say, well, yeah, we can't go to the police because that would be not obeying the word of God. It's just crazy well, stuff like and, this. You know, it's crazy and guess what else it is? It's hypocritical because yeah. the same folks who believe that also believe that you should be able to legislate morality. They also yeah. believe that the government should be able to tell you whether or not you could get an abortion. They also believe whether they also believe the government should be able to tell you whether or not a man could marry a man or a woman could marry a woman. So <clears throat> they believe in separation of church and state as it suits them in what areas it fits what they want it to. When they want the state to be involved, they want to because they want the government involved. Oh, don't don't let don't don't, don't tell you nothing different. They want the government involved. They want the government to tell you when you can have a baby and when you can't they want the government to tell you what bathroom you could go to they want the government to tell you what you can call yourself they want the government to tell you when you could protest and when you can't they want the government to tell you who you can marry and who you can't oh they want the government involved okay until it comes to something they don't want to do like make a cake for a gay couple yeah okay? right then or, they don't want the government involved yeah or <laughs> my uh, faith my faith Report okay. a sexual uh, pedophile. I mean, or report a pedophile. Yeah, right. Then it's we're crazy. We're gonna handle it with. We're right. gonna handle it biblically. Okay. Okay. Right. If you're gonna handle it biblically, then cut his dick off. Then. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because <laughs> if you, because if your eye is offending you, you're supposed to gouge it out. Yeah. That's okay. right. Yeah. Handle that's it right. biblically. If you yep. steal something, you get your hand cut. <laughs> okay. He stole the coochie. Cut it out. Right. No, the the hypocrisy is amazing. (laughs) It it all suits the way they want to control uh, their church, their people, and that's all. And and try to control society itself by legislating morality in some way, uh, Mm -hmm. like they're doing here with the abortion issue. But um, you know, that's very interesting. um, That these systems. Every time I talk to people. Whether, you know, whatever um, 
kind of church or experience they have, the 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 signs are all the same. Everything you're describing is is exactly what I've I've seen or heard uh, that's happened in other churches, and uh, it's it's just remarkable. Um, you um, you mentioned you know like they want to control you know who you marry, et cetera, that kind of thing. And I know you've had some experience in the LGBTQ uh, community. What what do you think the church is largely? Why do you think the church is largely mistreated? The LGBT Q community. I mean, what's what? What have you what have you seen happen, and how do they justify that, and 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 what's the solution? Well, the uh, the reason why I think largely that they treat the LGBTQ Q community the way they do is denial. The first of all, denial, because there's not, as far as I'm concerned, there's not a person on this planet who is more than four to six persons removed from someone in the LGBT community in their own family and in their own bloodline. Right. So it's just denial for the first thing. The second thing is there's a love deficit in the church. And you would think that there would be an abundance of love in the church, especially since the, the scriptures say they will know you by your love, not by your laws, not by your legalism, not by your rules and your rituals and your clothes and your robes and your big hats and your doilies on your head and your long skirts and all that other crap. Mm-hmm. They will know you by your love. You would think that there'd be an abundance of it in the church, but the the the, the church is experiencing a love deficit. Right? Yes. It's like they reached the debt ceiling with love and they can't afford anymore. Right. They can't get they ain't write No more checks. You know what I'm saying? And so it's a love deficit because if there wasn't a love deficit, there's no way that you could look at a human being that God made because you believe that God is the creator of all mankind and tell that person that they don't have the same access to God and the same access to grace that you do. Also, it's it's denial and hypocrisy, because really. All Christians, the Christians that are coming against the LGBT community, they just don't like that somebody sin different than they do. (laughs) (laughs) If you consider, if you, because a lot of them consider it sin, they just don't like the fact you don't sin like I do. So you, you know, you going to hell because they, they also believe if you ask them, they'll say that they believe the scripture that says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. If you ask them, They'll say that they believe that scripture that says it's by grace that you are saved, not by works, lest any man should boast. If you ask them, they'll believe that scripture that says, uh, all come on you who are heavy laden, I'll give you rest. If you ask them, they'll believe John 3, 16. They'll believe that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever, not whosoever love like me, whosoever look like me, whosoever vote like me, whosoever handles their reproductive uh, choices like me, none of that, whosoever worship like me, whosoever go to my church, whosoever make the money I make, whosoever went to the college that I went to, whosoever uh, believes the word that I believe or the Bible or what, whosoever. The church get hung up. They, they, they'll tell you that they believe the word until they got to live it. Because yeah. they tell you, you're going to find John 3, 16 everywhere on everything, printed up on everything. Okay, get show me a Christian, and I'll show you somebody who got something with John 3, 16 in their house or on their body in the form of a shirt or something. But that scripture that says, for God so loved the world. Right. The world that whosoever believes in him might not perish but have everlasting life. They don't believe that. Let me tell you what else they don't believe. 
when Jesus died on the cross and he said, it is finished. They don't believe that shit neither. <laughs> so they, they, they don't believe none of that shit. Most of these Christians don't really believe in Christ. They lying to themselves. Because yeah, if they no, really I, believe I hear in you. Christ, they would believe when Jesus said, when God said that he loved the world, not the church. They have replaced, they have conflated the church with the world in their mind. But when God said he so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever. And then when Jesus said it is finished from for God so loved the world to it is finished. All that shit was covered in there. LGBTQ, murder, everything. OK, now am I saying that you could go out here and live any kind of way? The scriptures say, uh, shall we continue to sin that grace may abound? God forbid. But then it comes down to what is the definition of sin? I personally do not believe that a consenting adult being with loving or marrying another consenting adult i don't personally believe that that's sinful now that's just me that's that's and i i used to so this is a person who's evolved in my thought press process and evolved in my theology i don't believe you should be out here being reckless with your body though right you understand what i'm saying yeah right. so there's boundaries for me there's standards for me but here's the difference i do not believe in uh projecting pushing or oppressing onto other people my standards and my beliefs and calling it the truth and if you don't believe what i believe you're going to hell that's right. self-righteousness which is also a sin 99 right. of christians are hypocrites they don't right. believe those scriptures because those scriptures are clear and plain and easy to understand and they don't believe them no yeah that's true preach it sister <laughs> <laughs> they don't believe it jesus said so, it is finished they were like oh excuse me lord no it ain't finished they got to stop doing that and they got to stop doing that and they need to get married and stop having sex till they get married and they need yeah. and they shouldn't be and they need to wear a, wear a dress down to right. the ankles because they got to look holy they don't right. look holy you, it well, <laughs> no i always think i always think about that because you know what i used to believe the same thing i thought i thought homosexuality was a sin etc and of course when when you're sinning you have to stop and you have to repent and you have to so you know so the answer is for them to be celibate or for them to, you know, uh, uh, to abstain and and mm -hmm. uh, or or get married anyways. And and the thought, the problem with that, there's two two big problems with that. One, number one, you, they, they don't try to put themselves in the shoes of these people and figure out why what, what's happening in their life. <laughs> right. These people didn't wake up one day and go, oh, you know what? I think I'll be a homosexual just for fun. Yeah, no, I think it's going to be a great experience. Yeah, yeah, it's and 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 all the abuse <laughs> and the bullying that you get when you come out of the closet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what I want to do. Right. Yeah. <laughs> no. And think about how much people who <clears throat> I think sometimes in my heart breaks for those who want to be part of the body of Christ so bad that they they subject themselves to bullying in the church. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah because, because so they in, can in the be church. part of the community. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, just so they could be part of the faith community because right. you got pastors and stuff who don't mind sniping people from the pulpit. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So, I mean, um, the other thing I was going to say about uh, this issue is that when you look at history, uh, and I'm sure you've probably done this, too, you you know, you, you look at the what what were they talking about in the in the Old Testament and the New Testament when they mentioned something that sounds like homosexuality? And they weren't talking about what we think they were talking about. They were talking mm -hmm. about some things like uh, shrine prostitution, uh, mm -hmm. sexual exploitation, 
um, uh, things of things that were uh, under uh, Jewish law that that weren't right, but they weren't uh, like you said consenting adults having mutual love for one another it was something mm -hmm. about idolatry mm -hmm. or exploiting and harming another person like yeah, the pederasty the that too. went on in the roman culture where they yes. where men took you know young boys so i mean that you know that's the other thing they don't even they don't want to go there because they've already no. made up their mind and they've already decided it's a sin and that's it you know and that's it and here's another thing it's all about being informed and then after you're informed you're just in denial because here's the thing about that word. Even that word homosexual wasn't even in the Bible until the forties. Yeah. Most Christians don't even know that they don't even know yeah. that, that, that the original translation didn't have that word, that that right. word literally entered into the King James Bible in the forties. Most of them don't know that King James was a flip wristed himself. He was a tambourine player <laughs> in, a black, <laughs> in a black church. We got a tambourine. Okay. He, he was a tambourine player. King James, anyway, let me get off. Let me stay. All you right, know what okay. I'm saying? But, but that, that, that word didn't even appear in the Bible until the 40s. And that itself was a misinterpretation that they acknowledged, but they had a contract. And we don't get into this. You know, people could go and research this. I think I was either Yale the scholars that put that, that did that particular translation mistranslated that word. And one of their seminary students uh, challenged them on that. Um, this was a certain a certain um, translation that they had published. And they admitted that that was a mistranslation to use the word homosexuality. But they were under the contract they had to translate the scriptures, they couldn't change it for 10 years. But by oh, that time, all really? these other did not. I didn't know that. Y'all, you guys go study this. But by oh. that time, all these other did not. All these other translators were using that right. as their foundation, and yeah. so it just permeated. That word wasn't even in the Bible yeah. until the forties. Uh, Most yeah, Christians don't even know that. I didn't know that thing about the contract, though. That's interesting. They couldn't just go back and change it. Could, they couldn't they be... just go back and change it. Right. it had to remain yeah. for ten years. But by that time, the damage is already done. Yeah, and also right. the other translations that were using that as a foundation, of course, adopted that mistranslation. Right. No, that's true. And there's so many other words, too, besides that one. There's several oh, other yeah. key words that are mistranslated. So another question I have is I love the fact that you did become uh, a woman pastor of a medium in a small church. And um, yeah. I just think, you know, because I, I, I never saw a woman pastor in all the churches I went to. Never. Mm. It, you know, they might. I don't know. I, I just there was never a pastor. You might you might let the woman speak for a little bit, but it's never yeah. a sermon. It's it's actually the only time they let a woman speak was in a conference. They would never let her speak in like a sermon. And it's probably a conference or, where she was talking to the woman. Yeah, right. And right? In, the, in the capacity in the church, they wouldn't let her speak, let alone be a pastor. And of course, you, if you wanted yeah, if you wanted to be a leader, you could only lead, lead the women's Bible study. Right. So. Um, right. Right. So I wanted to ask you, um, you know, uh, why are people, um, oh, there's so many people are, that are wrong on this. I, John MacArthur comes to mind, but I think you mentioned him in your book. But why, why are they wrong about women being in leadership in the church? And the second part of the question is, what was it like becoming a church pastor as a woman or as a black woman as well? Well, two-part question. <laughs> I will say this. I did not initially believe that women should be pastors way back when I was um, coming up through the uh, Baptist, you know, after I left the 
uh, Kingdom Hall, I came up through the Baptist churches and I was of the belief that a woman, so I fought against becoming a woman pastor myself. I always felt led, you know what I'm saying? They would let us preach because I, I preached my first sermon well, I did what we, what they call a talk at the Kingdom Hall when I was 12. But I preached my first, what you want to, if you want to call it a sermon when I was 16. But I never thought a woman pastor, right? So yeah, I didn't see right. a lot of women pastors when I was coming up, but the but I couldn't get away from this call on my life. <clears throat> right. And so I was um, you know, I was a youth pastor, and then I, you know, I felt, you know, God calling me to become a pastor. And we had a wonderful ministry. Um, as a matter of fact um the restoration center that i pastor was full of couples i have very few single people in the church and that's 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 unusual for a woman pastor a mm -hmm. lot of women's pastors have mostly well most churches have mostly women but a lot of women pastors churches are have more women than the average church which makes sense because yeah. you attract you know what i'm saying that right. makes sense you attract your life. Um, yeah. <clears throat> but what was so interesting about the church is that it was mostly all couples actually um if there was anybody that was single it was a visitor it was it was all couples and families mm -hmm. and i thought that was pretty amazing um the people that i pastored were very receptive as a matter of fact the folks that i pastored still call me pastor they still yeah. consider me a pastor right um the even at the other church i pastored they still call me pastor as a matter of fact um one of the sweet ladies uh passed away recently uh, Sister Mary Akery from the Rock Worship that I pastored, and she had put it in her. I just got contacted by her daughter two days ago. Um, she had put it in her her wishes for you know because she knew she was going to be dying. You know mm -hmm. she knew she was on her way, <clears throat> and she had put it in her wishes for how she wanted her funeral and stuff to be carried out. That Pastor December should do her funeral. So I just got contacted um, a couple of days ago and asked to do the funeral of a former member. And I have not passed that church for three years now. Wow. So, okay. yeah. And also it was multicultural too. This woman is a white woman and being in the South, that is and this, where this particular church is, is way out in the country in the South. I had, <laughs> I, this is how you know that the love of God and faith transcends all that other bullshit. Because I had people coming to the church that voted for Trump, that was flying Confederate flags and all that but they loved me they loved my kids they respected me they honored me I, I we wouldn't had a dinner at one of their churches they had a confederate flag out front you know what i'm saying I, I understand what it means to some people and for some people it means exactly what most people think it means which is you're a racist and you wish that things will go back the way that they used to be and you risk i'd be picking cotton for your ass and uh <laughs> sorry for you boo but yeah. it ain't gonna happen and then for yeah. others it is it is as a culture thing and a historical thing because these people will come to the church and they love on me and hug me and bring me food and all kind of stuff so they were the furthest thing from being a racist or at least not being intentionally racist anyways um and so that's how you know that faith is beyond all that love and faith is beyond all that politics religion denominations it surpasses all that kind of stuff right you know? that's true it is it, it, it just it's it's bigger than all that it's yeah, bigger than all that because great. god is bigger than all that so i mean the the past the churches that you became pastor did were they in just independent and said, well, yeah, we we agree we, we can have a women pastor, or was there was it was it a more liberal church denomination? Um, half and half. Well, the one I the one the first church I started, so you know, I said I could be a woman pastor, and so I did. Oh, there you go. You're the founder <laughs> God, of the church. I'm the founder hey. of that church. So. Hey, it's a statement of faith. <laughs> yes, yes. Women can the be second pastors. Church, 
<laughs> right. The second church I was voted in. Oh, there and you go. And this is one of those situations where it was while I was the assistant pastor. Oh, okay. And the pastor, he was doing, oh my gosh, it was, he was cheating on his wife with one woman in the church and he got the finance, the another woman, a separate, whole entire separate woman who's a financial secretary. He had got her pregnant and oh my it was okay. just, it was just a hot mess. It was a hot mess. And anyways, right. I was, uh, to make a long story short about that, I was ended up being voted in as the pastor, from assistant pastor to the pastor. Right, right. That's how I became the pastor of that church. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. So um, let's uh, let's talk about, um, I mean, church in general. We've, we've you know, we, we've discovered that churches are problematic. Um, I, I often say that, that not all churches are bad. I, you know, there are some good churches, but because of the structure, it's, it's problematic. It's, it, they're mm -hmm. susceptible to abuse, uh, someone, uh, harming other people in some way, controlling people, being legalistic. I mean, I could tell you, I'm sure we yes. could just keep sharing stories about this and, and, but, you know, in my experience, uh, maybe more, a little bit more liberal progressive churches are less because they, they're not, you know, insisting on these narrow, uh, views on all kinds of doctrines and everything. So they're not, mm -hmm. they don't have the same, uh, problematic nature, let's say. But I guess the question is, what about church in general? Um, uh, for, for me, I'm a done I'm a, I'm done with church, <laughs> mm -hmm. but I, you know, I wouldn't, you know, we went to Nashville and we went, we met in a church and the guy who yeah. leads that church, he was a, a he said, Oh, our, we're a church of people who deconstruct conservative Christianity. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. That's, that's probably a church you could get with. <laughs> so thought, yeah. Yeah. If that church was down the street, I probably would at least go there from time to time, you know, uh, you mm -hmm. know, so but anyways, the question is, can the church be redeemed and and how would that work? And and the, uh, the other question is, how um, is it OK not to go to church and just pursue a life of love? And why do we need church today? Uh, I, I Well, you were at the conference where in part of my presentation, I dealt with the good aspect. I started off with the good things. Right. Yeah, I start off with the work that the churches do in the community, with the food right. banks, with the orphanages, with the hospitals, with the yeah. schools, and um, there's so much good going on in the church. Mm -hmm. The problem is there's so much bad going mm -hmm. on in the church, right? And so I would say that um, the church universal is yes redeemable by its by the people because ultimately I'm one of those folks who believe that the people are the church. Um, the institution, though, may may not be, may not be. The institution is bloated and full of itself and arrogant and puffed up. Right. Um, but the church, as in the people, the vessels, the ones who make things happen, are always are always have the opportunity to be redeemable. Um, as far as me personally, um, I don't go to anybody's church on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. But I do. There is a pastor whose whose uh, ministry I follow. That is Dr. Darius Daniels of Change Church. If he had a church in Greenville, I probably would at least go once or twice a month, mm -hmm. <clears throat> only because um, the ministry is is very practical, very down to earth, very real. 
I'm I'm pretty sure there's a few we differ on a few things. I'm very you know I'm very liberal liberal in my theology, so I'm pretty sure we're gonna part ways on a few things. But for the most part, I can get with just about everything he's talking about. So for me, I don't go to anybody's church on a regular basis. But when I get the feeling I want to go worship somewhere, I'll go. There's nothing wrong with community. There's nothing wrong with being around like-minded people. This is why you got to think about it like this. It's the same reason why people go to bowling groups or knitting groups or the purple hat society or the red hat society or fraternity or sororities or, you know, whatever the case is, there's nothing wrong with community. There's nothing wrong with like-minded people getting together, encouraging each other. There's nothing wrong with coming together, singing songs and, and, you know, dancing around if that's what you want to do. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, The issue that I have with church and churches in general is when the church is bigger than God, when the program is bigger than the Holy Spirit, when the agenda of the pastor uh, overshadows and supersedes and takes over the agenda of the of Christ. That's the problem that I have. And I also have a problem with people using the Bible as a weapon, which has been done yeah, since the, right. the, the dawn of time, right? right? To beat people over the head, to oppress people, to guilt, condemn, and shame people. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a problem that I have with the church. You will not find anywhere, <clears throat> and I would challenge any Christian, you will not find anywhere in the Bible where Christ is sending anybody to hell. Mm-hmm. Nowhere. Why Why are pastors so intent on doing something that Christ was not doing? You won't even find the, the, the harshest rebuke that Christ ever even had was for the church itself, not for the people. If you look in the scriptures, whenever Christ got salty and belligerent, it was against the church. Right. Yeah. yeah. For the bullshit the and the stunts yep. that they was doing. Right. That's right. You didn't see him condemn the world and this and that too much. He was too busy ministering. He was too busy feeding. He was too busy healing. He was too busy teaching right. to be bothered with that. If Christ was walking the earth today, most of these evangelicals and Christians wouldn't have nothing to do with him. Nothing. He'd be too liberal. <laughs> He'd be too liberal. They wouldn't have nothing right. to do with him. Right. Because he's going to be over there sitting with the LGBTQ community. Yeah. And he's going to be in the abortion clinic holding the hand of the 16-year-old rape victim. And he's yeah. going to be somewhere marching with his fists up for the person that got kneeled, someone kneeled on his neck for, for until he couldn't breathe no more. Right. He, he would be too, he, he, they wouldn't accept Christ if he was walking the earth today. Yeah, no, that's true. But I mean, and the other thing is that, um, the people don't want to let, let's say you, t- you know, you know, you mentioned it, he didn't teach about hell, which is true. But what, but the problem is mistranslations of Bibles. They say hell and they say eternal punishment. And those are bad translations. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and people don't want to hear that, though. It's that, that's what really strikes me is when you say, hey, you know what? Look into the Greek original Greek terms that are translated hell and 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 learn what they really mean. Right. And they don't they don't say, oh, that would be great if that was true. Wow. You think that's true? Let me go look. No, they don't even want to no. go there. They just go, oh, yeah, you just got some crazy idea out there. They like the they like the doctrine of hell. <laughs> oh, they love it. You know why? It's, 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 it's just like anything else. It puts me above you. Yeah, right. People and are I, always looking for a reason to yeah. be above the next person. And if and I can say I'm doing right, I'm living right, I'm I'm God accepts me, but he doesn't accept you. You know what I'm saying? And they don't yeah. think that that's what it is, but that's what it is. Yeah. And they can they also use it as a fear mm-hmm. tactic. 
you know, mm-hmm. we get we get you f- frightened uh, and of of God and Him sending you to hell so that you we have the solution. Come into our church yeah. and be set. We cannot hear the thing. Right? We got we got the answer. We got the truth. <laughs> we right, got the right. truth. The truth. Yeah. But here's so, the thing: you can't scare nobody out of hell, and you can't scare nobody into heaven because right. God is not so, about fear. And no, perfect love casts out fear. So right. that's how you know when a church is not operating in love when they're trying to scare people out of hell or scare people into heaven, that's a church that's not operating in love because that's completely the anti that's the antithesis to, to God and yeah. his word. Right. So, um, yeah, I like to say that, um, you know, community is important. And, uh, for me, I found community in the, uh, the rotary international organization. They're mm-hmm. like a service, a secular service club, and their motto is service above self. And it's yeah. like, oh, my gosh, we do these service projects in the community. I'm in the World Community Service Committee. We do them all over the world. And I focus on Africa. And, I, you know, we, we visit it. We go we, we design projects and go visit them and make sure they're going well and so forth. And in Africa and Uganda and Tanzania. And all these things. And to me, that is more where those people that I'm with in that club and and the organization, um, which is global. There are rotary clubs in Africa. There's rotary clubs in Asia. We have partnerships with these people. Uh, It's more Christ like than than people than the church. Than the church. (laughs) Right. So, So that's why I'm like, okay, that we need to we need to change the paradigm. Because yes. people are still thinking about churches and institutions. And if you call yourself a Christian or if it's Christianity and no, to me, uh, the love ethic of Christ is a way of life. It's not an institution. It's not a church. It's mm. not a religion. Even it's when you right. break it down, when you break it down and it, and it's, it's, it's just gotten so bad. Uh, particularly in evangelicalism and fundamentalism. So um, uh, you also talk about, you know, people are hurt and harmed by the church. How do people find healing from church hurt? What what do you do? What do you share with people to help them find healing? I would say, you, well, I was going to say, you know, you have to have a relationship with God for yourself. But so many people have been so hurt by the church that they've divorced themselves from the idea of God altogether. Right. Yep. And for them and for anyone anywhere in between, I would say learn to love yourself. Learn the truth about you. Um, learn the truth about your value and your worth so that it can't be questioned. You have to come to a place of peace where your peace and your faith um, cannot be questioned. Um, church will make you question whether or not God is even real by some of the bullshit that you will see and experience. Right. They'll make, and the reason they, they'll, it happens that way is because you put God, you, you put God in the place of the pastor. Mm-hmm. We, we hold these people to such high esteem that we almost make gods out of them. And so when they do things to us or they do things to the congregation or they do things to their own families and they get exposed, then we almost fall out with God because and we don't even realize that we've done it until it happens, until they do something crazy. Until they, we don't realize that we have put God, put them in God's seat. Yes. Right. No, that's you know true. I've, I've seen that happen. I know early on, 
my evangelical years, uh, there was some spiritual abuse going on in the church that I went to. And uh, this one woman, uh, there was a couple, um, and they reacted different ways. They were both really, you know, harmed by what happened. And they were mm -hmm. just, you know, they were just like, oh, this, I can't believe this happened. This is so, this is so bad. And the man, he still believed in God, but he, um, you know, was rejecting the spiritual abuse in the church and was saying, we got to find another place or we got to rethink this, right? And the woman, she just completely went the 180 degrees. She was an atheist and agnostic. I mean, I don't know what she called herself. She didn't even mm. start believing God anymore. She was like, it's over. <laughs> right. This, she, was, this yeah. had to be some kind of sexual abuse. She, no, it, wasn't. it actually wasn't. It was, it was missionaries that were... Uh, it's a kind of a long story, but if I shortened it really quickly, it would, it was, uh, we had started a missions, uh, uh, wing of our church and we were mm -hmm. starting to send people out and we sent this couple along with another couple to the Philippines mm -hmm. and they were going to be missionaries and the church that we were part of the denomination, they came out to them and said, Oh no, you guys aren't really doing this. We're doing it. We're the apostles, you know, we're going to tell you what to do and how to do it, right? Because we're the apostles and you don't have to worry about that part. Don't worry about that part. And, and so the woman was like, and, and the man and, and the people, the whole, the whole team were, was like, wait a minute, that's not what? what we signed up for. You just, you just bait and switched us. Yes. Right. And you don't even see what you're doing. We're out of here. Right. So yeah. that was, that's what happened. And the, okay. and the woman had had, she had had a really good experience in our church and so when that happened, it was like, well, this is just a farce. And she just yeah. like stopped believing, you know. So wow. that happens. Wow. Um, so um, the final question I had is um, what I know you've got some other projects going. I'm, and you told me about them before we hit the record button. So mm -hmm. uh, I'm really fascinated. What What is your plans for your next books? And uh what 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 are the working titles of those? Well, I always try to keep some a little spicy in my back pocket, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, my next book that I intend to release with Choir Publishing, which is our publisher, is "Love Is God." Yeah, is great God. title. Yeah, and um, that's just dealing with love as a putting love in the place of everywhere that you put God. So, love as a faith love as your mission, love as a great commission, love as your religion, um, love as your standard of life and your standard of living and how you treat other people, love as what, was what speaks to and informs how you handle business, everything. The same way people treat their, their religion and their faith and their church, that you put love in that place. The right. whole thing is, you know, they teach you math in school that, um, they call it, I think they call it reciprocal. There's a word for it. If six times seven is 42, if three times four is 12, then four times three is 12, right. whatever it is, you know. It's reciprocal, and, right? Yeah. So when the scriptures say God is love, okay, love is God then. Right. Love yeah. is God. No, no. And but... I'm evolving toward that where I don't, you know, because at the end of the day, even the Bible was written by men. You know, yes, I believe it, and yes, it's a word. It's a, it's, it's. I follow it for the most part as far as how I fashion, uh, fashion my life. But even that book is not big enough to contain the concept of God. 
even that book is not big enough. And how do we know it's not big enough? Because you can't even do everything from the front cover to the back cover without going to prison. Yeah. Right. It's not big enough. <laughs> yeah. You can't pull one of them stunts that they pulled in the Old Testament. Go yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. Go, <laughs> go, go commit genocide with some kids. Yeah, go commit tribe. genocide. <laughs> yeah, go ahead and do that. You know, go ahead and get you 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 wives. You can't, yeah, it's not even big right. enough to contain. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Right, from yeah. the front, from cover to cover. Yeah. There's stuff right. in there you can't really do in real life these days. Yes. No. Well, and yeah, so um sure. it's that's the concept. And you know No, that's a great book, concept. Yeah. And it's not only that verse God is love, but I mean the way I see it, Jesus uh taught that. I mean, he he basically said, Hey, you know, if you're loving uh people, especially the neediest, the marginalized, the oppressed, the poor, uh the hungry. If you're loving them, then you're doing it for me. And people are going, right. oh, oh, when did we do it for you? Well, you, by loving yes. people, you are doing it for God. You did it for me. You know? Right. So yeah, when you fed that, the hungry, the, when you clothed you know, the naked, right. when you visited the person that was in prison, you did that for me. That was for me. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that concept is all is, is through uh, throughout his teachings. And um, and I also I've also seen that even though there's really crazy stuff in the old testament really ugly things um there's also some restorative loving things even in the old testament like the story of mm. joseph and his brothers or yes. some some of what the prophets said about social justice so or it's Rahab. a mixed bag yeah right yeah it's a mixed bag and um yeah. you know uh you ha we have to we have to i think you have a good way of addressing it so that's great the book is uh, love is god and and that's with choir so yeah. um uh okay well where can where can uh people uh find your book uh, just on amazon or do you have a website as well um amazon i'm on amazon okay. you can look up december rose and that's d-e-s-i-m-b-e-r <laughs> you got my book y'all the church is going to hell <laughs> The audio book will be coming out sometime this year, too. I'm very excited about that. It's like one very long spoken word project. So I'm excited about that. The All right. So the audio book is coming out, too. So go to yeah. Amazon and get the church can go to hell. Overcoming the broken bitterness and bondage of church hurt. And Sorry. folks, like she said before, she's not talking about um the community that that uh, a community of people who believe in and Jesus's love ethic. She's talking about the institution of church that is abusive to to people. So, um, and then finally, um, I wanted to read what someone said about your book, Keith Giles. I think you know who that is. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guarantee, yes. I guarantee you that this book will shock you. <laughs> and inspire you and bless you the one thing it will not do is allow you to remain unchanged so that's keith giles mm -hmm. on the book by uh december rose waddleton uh the church can go to hell so thank you so much december for being on my on the spiritual brew pub um you know, I'm really, really so glad that we met in Nashville. We are going to be uh, lifelong friends, I know. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing you again sometime. If you come back to Seattle, please look me up, man. I know you're from the area. I will the be area, there. I'm so. from there. My, my, and my brothers are still in the area. So 
I'll probably be making a trip back that way to the Seattle area next year with my family just to visit my brothers and stuff. And congratulations to you on your number one Amazon new release, Breaking Bad Faith. Yes, awesome. right. Congratulations to you. On well, that. thank you. <laughs> yes. And I'm going to be doing a podcast on that pretty soon. But yes, Breaking Bad Faith is out and it's on Amazon as well, my, my new book. And we yes. have the same publisher, Choir Publishing. So December, uh, December. Uh, this has been great. Um, uh, folks, uh, check out her book and uh, definitely we'll see you in the next time uh, on the Spiritual Brew Pub. Enjoy responsibly. <laughs>